0: First time I ever shared my faith with a complete stranger it was my freshman year of college. I was invited with this campus group called Crew. Now that was a ministry group going down to Panama City Beach, Florida. We were going to go down for spring break, and we were going to share the gospel and go to this conference. There are tens of thousands of college students that descend upon the beach every year, and we were going to go join in that revelry. And we were all given these cheesy little booklets, but they were called The Four Spiritual Laws. And so they, they set us down and they walked us through it once. And then they paired us up, like older girls with younger girls and older guys with younger guys. And I was paired up with Mike Gray, I still remember. Uh, and Mike was like, Come on, Paul, we're going to go on the beach and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to tell these people about Jesus. So I was like, All righty. So we go out there and we seriously, we get out on the beach. And I don't know if you've had these types of experiences. But you walk out on the beach and it's full of like naked people and beer. And there's literally a man, the Trojan man, riding by on a horse. And you're like, now we're going to tell these people about Jesus. So this will be great. So we go up and the first one, he's like, I'm going to show you how this is done. We go up to this cute little co-ed girl. And I don't really remember what happened. I just remember Mike led the way. He shared the gospel with her. And she was already a Christian. And we had this great time. We prayed together right there on the beach. And it was beautiful. And he's like, see, Paul, see how easy that is? Now it's your turn. And so we turn around, and I don't know how he picked this guy, but he pointed to this man and said, Paul, your turn. And he points to this man, and I promise you, he was at least 300 pounds. He was, he was a linebacker from martial football, and he was all muscle. And he's sitting this, there on this cooler full of beer, double fisted with these dark sunglasses on. And at that point, I was terrified. I thought, not only will this go badly, I might die. And so we we go there, and, uh, and let me just say, I was so scared that I couldn't talk, and I don't even remember how we started a conversation. Like, excuse me, sir. You know, I weighed like 95 pounds at the time. <laughs> and, and I was lost for words, so I literally just like shakingly like opened the booklet and said, read the words to him and turned the page. And like, no conversation, just turned the page. <laughs> and at the end... At the end of the little booklet, there's this little thing. There's two circles with a throne. One throne was in the middle of the circle. The other one's outside the circle. And the question there, and I literally just read it to him, who's in the center of your life? Who's on the throne of your life? You or Jesus, big sir? And at that point, I I seriously don't think he had said a single word to me the entire time. And uh, I had no idea what he was going to do or if he was going to crush us immediately. And he didn't respond but tears started to streak down underneath his dark sunglasses. And I learned two very important lessons that day. One is that the power of the gospel has almost nothing to do with me. It has almost nothing to do with how smart or how rehearsed or how elegant I am. That the story of Jesus Christ is powerful. Second thing I learned... And I'm going to share with you today is that cheesy little gospel booklets really are helpful tools. They really are. Now, I'll be the first to say very humbly that I'm going to share with you today what you were given as you walked in, a cheesy little gospel booklet. And I just want to make the point that no matter how skilled or unskilled you think you are at sharing your faith, this is a tool that can help you clearly share the story of Jesus with people. So wherever you're at, or maybe you just need to hear this for the first time today, we're going to break these out. If you have these, pull these out. Let's turn up the lights a little bit. And we're actually going to go through one of these today. And it starts with a very simple question. And if you have kid V13, you're in trouble. The question is this. This booklet asks this. How good are you? I just want to walk through this booklet, and we're just going to show you how to use it, what it says, and then, Lord willing, uh, you could actually... Your job is to not keep it, but to give it to someone else, share it with someone else, all right? So this, on the, on the opening page, it opens up and there's a goodometer. How would you rate your goodness on a scale of 1 to 10? And this is just an opening conversation to get to the gospel, to say, how do you think about yourself and how do you think about God? So if, if you were to do this right now in your head, think about, if you were to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being Hitler, 10 being Mother Teresa, where are you at on that scale? And it says right there, if you read it, it says like, usually people give themselves a six or a seven. They think, I'm not as good as some people. I'm no Mother Teresa. But at least I've never murdered anyone, right? God knows I'm a pretty good person. Because uh, because of that, he will accept me into heaven. So if you were to rate yourself right now, what number would you give? Okay, now everyone say the number at the exact same time. Ready? No, don't do that. <laughs> From that, that just gives you a touch point. It says, did you know that the Bible teaches that getting to God by trying to be a good person is impossible? It's like trying to jump from one end of the Grand Canyon to the other. Some of us would, would jump further than others, but none of us could actually make that happen. So this is just a, a word picture for you. So I'm standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and, and Usain Bolt decides to stand next to me, all right? Me, if I jump with all my might, I would go about three feet and then stumble to the bottom, right? You're saying Bolt, that man could probably jump a hundred times further than me. But the result is the same. We're both crumpled messes at the bottom of the canyon. See, the problem is, is that I don't have the strength. No human has the strength to jump the Grand Canyon. And the same way, no human has the innate goodness to jump to God. So this just says the standard, the reason we think that we're good enough to get to God is because we compare ourselves to other people, Mother Teresa and Hitler. But when we compare ourselves to God and his standard, the Ten Commandments, we fall short. So, so this gives you a look. Look at the Ten Commandments right here, and you can look at these. Check. Have you broken any of these laws? And you look through the first four here, and these are all about God. About how we're supposed to love God with all we have and all we think and all we do. Have you ever, you shall have no other gods before me. Is loving God, has that always been your first priority? Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Do you set aside time to remember God and worship Him? The next six are all about other people. It's about how, do you love other people the way that God created us to? Selflessly, sacrificially. Do you honor your father and mother? You shall not murder. But Jesus says, this isn't just about what you do. This is about how you think and who you are. Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever lusted? Here's the deal. The Bible says, and Jesus says, that this, this just shows us. This is a standard that we hold ourselves to. And when you look at yourselves in the light of this, the scripture talks about the mirror of scripture. When you look at yourself, you realize something's really wrong with the reflection it's giving me that I am broken, I am not whole, something is not right. And when you look at that, that we've all said and thought and done things that we regret, things that do not reflect who we're created to be, that do not reflect love for God and love for others, the Bible calls that sin. We're all sinful. And we break God's law. Sin separates us from God and brings His judgment. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans three: No one is good, not even one. For all of sin, and all fall short of the glory of God. I think I think you really don't have to argue that. Like, does anyone here think they're sinless? No. I mean, this is a point that we can all see. And the thing is, God created us to bring, bring Him glory and enjoy life in, in relationship with Him. However, each one of us has turned against our Creator by violating His standard and living our own way. The, the fact of the matter is, God set us up to be under His perfect rule, but we selfishly don't want to be ruled by anyone. And here's the deal. Left to ourselves, we will not become good like God. And left to ourselves, we will not love God or others the way that we're created to. In fact, left to ourselves, we would not choose to spend our lives now or forever under the rule of God. And people who choose not to be under the rule of God, there's a word for that in the Bible. Jesus calls it hell. Final judgment for those who die in their sins is eternal separation from God and hell. And that's just being separated from God. That's saying, God, I don't want to be ruled by you. And God says, okay, you won't. But God, here's the deal. Left to ourselves, we would all, every single one of us, none of us meets that standard. All of us crash. But here's the deal. God didn't leave us to ourselves. And that's the point. Jesus lived a sinless life. In love, Jesus died as a substitute for our sins. We all, if you've been in church or just been to football stadiums or know Tim Tebow, then you know this verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That we couldn't make it to God, so He came to us. He bridged the gap, literally. That God in the flesh, Jesus, lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we, should have, we deserved so that we could live our lives with God now and forevermore. That Jesus died on the cross and then after three days in a tomb, Jesus rose from the dead and was seen by hundreds of witnesses. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And having conquered sin and death, he returned to heaven and now reigns as ruler over all. That Jesus not only died and said he was going to take away sin and death and defeat it, he came back as proof. It's proof that he actually did what he said. And then he died and only did that. You know what he did? He came to all of his disciples and he said, Now I want you to go. Tell the world about this. That people are living in sin and brokenness and fear and death. But I offer forgiveness in life. And that's why I'm sharing this with you right now. Because I believe that Jesus did die for me and for you. And that he literally rose from the dead. And that he literally commanded me to do this. But it's not enough to know these facts. You actually have to trust them. You must turn from your sins and trusting Jesus alone. Only then will you be accepted uh, forgiven and accepted by God that that we have to repent that means you can't control life on your own repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that it, you can't hold on to your own life and ask for the life of Jesus you have to let go of your life you have to die to yourself in order to experience his life but it's not just dying to yourself it's not just repenting it's, it's believing in Jesus that what he did on the cross is actually enough it actually gives your life purpose and meaning. That he's actually living. That he actually will guide your life. And here's the picture here. Not circles, but cars. Think of it like driving a car. The red car represents a self-directed life where you're in the driver's seat. And the white car represents a Christ-directed life where you trust Jesus for forgiveness and let him decide which way you will go. The author C.S. Lewis says this probably better than anyone. He says there's, in the end, there are only two kinds of people. Those to whom God says, thy will be done. And those to whom look at God and say, thy will be done. Which are you? Who's driving your life? Jesus is calling you to trust him that every single man, woman, and child, he's not just for some people. He's not just for white Americans. He's not just for wealthy people. He's not just for a type of person. He's for every man, woman, and child. He's calling us to turn to him, that right now he wants to give us his life. And you can do that right now, and all you have to do, and this is the example. Let me just lead us through it. I'll read it through for us right now. Says, Lord Jesus, I admit that I am not good. I've broken your laws and lived my own way. Thank you for living a perfect life and dying as my substitute. Today, I turn from my sins and trusting you for God's forgiveness and acceptance. The scriptures say, "For for by grace you have been saved through faith. That this is not of your own doing; it is a gift from God, not as a result of works, so that no man can boast." That you don't have. There's nothing else you have to do. You just have to trust in Him. And then he's gonna give you a lot more to do as you follow him. But you can never earn this salvation. It really is as simple as a prayer. And then the next step, if you trust in Jesus, is that's great. That God now it's not a one time decision though. This is your your life. This is where you're headed for the rest of your life and into eternity. And so for this, this is learning to follow Jesus day by day. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. A life that is no longer controlled by fear. A life that is not about yourself anymore, but it's about others and about God. A life that is defined by radical generosity because Jesus gave everything to you. Who are you to hold on to what you have? A life that is defined by purity and holiness and love and kindness and grace and sacrifice and selflessness. And I would submit to you that it's the most beautiful life anyone can live. And it's a life that does not fear death because we know that death is not the end. Jesus defeated that enemy. That it goes into eternity. This this booklet might be cheesy. But it is the gospel. And I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to change lives. It was in ancient times where fishermen left their nets and went on to die for the name of Jesus. And it is today, and it's still changing lives. And I'm committed that as we faithfully share this gospel that has nothing to do with our performance of it, God will do what only God can do. He will bring people to new life. That's my hope for our church, for our community, and for ourselves.